Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. are processes that are continually developing. We're not an event, we're not static. So if you get stuck, it's like, okay, well, I've got to wrestle with this and work with this. And maybe I need to read something or talk to someone, but we are in process. And when we get stuck, it means we have more processing to do. on U-Turn friends. As always, I am here in, I think I'm going to admit this is my favorite category, which is the love category. And I wanted to bring Jennifer Lair onto the show. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, the founder of We Concile, which is an online program for committed couples seeking help. She's an educator on the process of living, self-acceptance, and stepping into your magic life, especially when it comes to love and successful relationships. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I know that you have a relationship roadmap and I want to tell everybody all about, you know, what, what are the key steps to a healthy relationship and a positive relationship. But I also, before we were recording, I know we talked a little bit about the honeymoon period and what happens when the honeymoon is over and what is going on during the honeymoon. So I'm curious, just after all of your years, it looks like decades of seeing clients. What can you share with us about what is going on with our brains, bodies, and being during the honeymoon period? And what is going on suddenly with like quarantine, for example, where for so many people, including me, it feels like the honeymoon's over and now we need to navigate, you know? Right. So the honeymoon period is generally a lot of hormones. (laughs) You know, you meet someone, you fall in love and the hormones in your body just are you get, you know, all the beautiful hormones moving through your body. You have the oxytocin and the excite, excitable hormones, and you're just on drugs, basically. So that's great. And you want to have the attraction in the honeymoon period. I mean, it's a great way to start, you know, at least in our culture, we're not doing arranged marriages here. So it's a great way to start a, a relationship is to know that you've got this chemistry and that you feel so good being with each other. But then we, you know, that's sort of the tip of the iceberg. And then as we get to know each other better or stressors come up or disappointments, other things start to emerge, which is our history, how we are, our tools, like what does a person do when they're disappointed? Do they 
go into the room and shut the door? Or do they yell? Or, you know, in other words, what, what do we do when we have these feelings where the magical stuff isn't there in that moment and we have to deal with um, a real person and our own real feelings? And some of this goes back to when you're a kid, like when you're a kid and you were upset if your mother or father didn't really take the time to listen to you. How did you take care of yourself? What coping strategies did you um, create to survive? Mm-hmm. And, and so that stuff all starts coming up and people aren't, you know, we haven't been educated on how to have a great relationship. So people just do what they know how to do, they, what they've learned through osmosis growing up mostly. And a lot of the skills aren't the right skills to really get through some of the difficulties. Yeah, totally. And and I know that a lot of people, especially right now being at home during COVID-19, it's like bringing up a lot in relationships. They're spending so much time together. I don't know. It's, it's almost like I think people aren't having sex as much. I mean, some people are, but I think a lot of people aren't. The mystery, whatever mystery was in the relationship, whatever space was in the relationship is not there right now. Like, what do you think it is that is going on when the space gets taken away, where people kind of lose that interest in each other somewhat? Well, the space is, um, I mean, we all, we all need a certain amount of space. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, you need a certain amount just to, you know, ground, tune into yourself. And when you lose that, you're also being confronted, you know, much more. I mean, most people used to go to their offices for 40 hours a week or a lot of people. And that was, you know, took them out of that constant being constant contact with their partner. And so they had a break, they had interactions with other people. And all of a sudden you're, you're on top of each other and it intensifies well, first of all, their stress, it can intensify uh, the parts of your partner that are annoying or difficult because you can't get away from them. Yeah. So that's one of the things that happens when you're, and also you're, you may be under your own private stress about what, what's going on with your life. And we bring our stress into our relation, into our relationships. I mean, that's part of what we do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And as far as kind of like getting in fights I feel like people are fighting a little bit more. I just read a, a statistic because I get Forbes pitches all the time for my column. And I just read that out of relationships, 28% are actually doing better and would love to be working from home together all the time. And then there's like another 25, 30% as well, where they're worse off and they don't want to be working from home together like this. And then I also read that there's around like 3% or something very minor in that neighborhood where they want to get a divorce or break up. So right. I, I understand that the, when you take space away, like a bit, what is it? Is it that the relationship wasn't good after all, or is it that it's just bringing out a lot in a relationship? Does that make sense? The question? Yeah, I, think, I think, I mean, I'm sure there's some relationships that weren't good at all to start with, but a lot of them, it's just bringing out stuff that they haven't dealt with yet. But well, well, I mean, I don't know if you're willing to, but like, if you were to look at yourself, what would you find yeah, the most totally. difficult? part of being, you know, sort of in, you know, in this isolation with your partner or living with your partner? Yeah, I would say, what do I find the best about it or not so great? Most difficult. What's the most difficult for you about Um, it? You know, I think I'm pretty independent and it feels like there's no, like, I really actually am realizing how much I enjoyed uh, my partner, William, going to work and like me having the house for the day. I think I, was, didn't have to limit myself in my work. Like for example, right now I'm conducting this podcast interview in our guest room. Usually I'll do it in the living room because nobody else is home. 
you know? Right. Yeah. So I think it's like um, feeling a sense of spaciousness in the day. Also, I think that because we're home all the time, he will have an opinion on things that he would never even see if he wasn't home during the day. For example, like how I load the dishwasher or, you know, there's a lot of like taking care of him as well during the day. Like he wants lunch too. So I'll make lunch for both of us. So I think it's just maybe a selfish like enjoyment of being alone a little bit, which I think I just have deep down inside of me, no matter who I'm with. Yeah. Now I think that's, I mean, I think it's really normal to basically you've lost some freedom. Yeah. I mean, and you like freedom. You're someone who likes freedom. I'm a Gemini. So I'm like, it is like my deepest need is like yeah. freedom and space. And I didn't, right. I didn't know it because I identify as somebody who loves partnership. Like I love having a partner. I even think of myself as somebody who definitely is going to have kids. And it's not until recently where I don't know if it's COVID-19 and just kind of like looking at the world where I'm like, Ooh, the world is so weird and unpredictable. And right now it doesn't feel totally safe. And what's coming up for me is like, do I even want to have kids? And I'm, I'm open to it. I'll have kids. And I'm, but I've always felt like it was a must for me. Like, of course, yeah. I'm going to have kids. And only recently has it become like, I don't know if this is a must for me, which is a really interesting feeling to experience. And I'm not yeah. sure if just me being disenchanted or if COVID is helping me discover a new part of myself. Right. And only time will tell how much of this is about um discovering a new part of yourself. And I mean, obviously you're seeing, well, I like, I love my relationship, but I also love my freedom. And how do I balance those two pieces out when my partner's around all the time? I want him to go away for part of the time. You know, you've got that. And then you've got, you know, the world is a strange world right now. And, you know, is, why do I want kids? Is it, is it about what's going on with me and my partner? Is this about just seeing the world differently? Is this about me seeing my needs differently? So you're in some sort of transition in terms of looking at who you are and what you need. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's happening for a lot of people in quarantine and even my morning routine, like there's like certain products I'm using. Like we just took Organifi on as a sponsor for the podcast and they sell like really good health products. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I sometimes will be like in my morning routine. And if my partner walks in, I'm like, Oh, there goes my routine. So it's like this highly independent person inside of me, uh, making meaning of things like that. I don't know. It's really interesting. Right. So one of the questions I have for you is, um, just to tie in the steps is, are you internalizing your, um, I don't know if the word is a disappointment or, um, just feeling constrained are you internalizing it or are you talking about it? Like, or are you acting it out? What are you doing about these feelings coming up about being a little bit boxed in by your partner? It's that's such a great question. And I, I, first of all, I'm going to answer that because I think it's helpful for everybody, but also I just want to like mirror that back even tenfold to everybody who's listening. It's like, what's coming up inside of you in your, if you have a partnership and if you don't, and how are you acting out or how are you pr- processing it? That's a really interesting question. I would say I'm acting out. Um, he has wanted to spend a lot of time with family. And I think because I already feel like my freedom is uh, under th- like being threatened, mm-hmm. I am like acting out and like almost protesting like, no, I don't want to do that this weekend. I just want to be at home uh, and read a book or like, like I'm doing certain things to like force my freedom to be available to me, if that makes sense. Like I'm refusing. Yeah. To do well, it doesn't that, sound like you're okay. acting out so much as you're putting, you know, the donkey with the four feet that are, you know, pushing on the ground, like you aren't going to pull me into this thing. It's like, yeah. 
it's like you're really trying to protect or re recreate a little bit of a, a space around yourself. Yeah. And so you're not um, the, probably not your usual, uh, you know, sure, let's do that, honey, kind of person. Um, yeah. And you're calling that acting out, but you're actually, and maybe it, maybe we could say it, you're taking an action and, the, and maybe what you're doing is instead of communicating about what's really going on for you and how difficult this is for you, you're just trying to get a little like a corral around you where there's some space. Yeah, exactly. I think the way I'm probably doing it is like very mediocre. Like, I think my strategy so far has been a little more like protesting energy versus right. like, hey, I neutrally am just going to stay home. But I'm I'm with somebody who loves being together and quality time is their love language. So for them, that looks like it, it like, no, I, I want you to come with me. And it's like, well, I don't want to come. And I go into this protest mode. But you're absolutely right. It's it's definitely like me trying to preserve my sense of self. And I I think this is a really powerful topic for this show because this whole podcast u-turn in the book that i wrote is all about coming back to yourself and you you can't you can't um come back to yourself if there's no self left you know like you right yeah and and have you talked to your partner about you know what's deep down how how you know you you really really need a little more space and and you're trying to figure out how to get it have you talked to him about that Well, I think what I've been able to voice so far, because I talked to him about everything that I think I has float floats by that would be valuable to him too. But I think the way I've looked at it so far is like, it's too much of this that we're doing, or it's too much of that that we're doing versus I just need space in general as a human. And here's a bunch of ways that it's going to look, you know? Yeah. Um, because I think, you, I think you could probably go to, so the action you're taking is you're being, let's say you're sort of standoffish a little bit. You're pushing back to get space. I'm a little whiny. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, a, I'm like a kid with kind of a bad energy, like a, I'm like a sour patch kid. You know? right, right. Yeah. So you're sort yeah. So you're getting a little sour, but yeah. underneath you're, you're sour because you're probably overwhelmed that you can't get enough space. Yeah. Definitely. And then, and then if you go to that, um, then you're going to be, you know, how do I survive if I can't breathe, you know, if I can't take deep breaths and really find my space. So it's, you get into really survival stuff when you go underneath it's always survival. And then, um, so let's look at, so then we would go to, well, what's true and what's not true. Well, what's true is you are someone who needs, who is independent and needs space. And that means you've got to, in this particular case, really sit down and say, look, this is, this is who I am. These are the, these are the buttons that are getting pushed for me. And it's not your fault that these buttons are getting pushed. Of course, you have to do this. However, it works in your relationship. I don't know you, yeah. how you could, No, this but, is great. I think, I think the listeners too, like everybody listening, I think all of us do so well with like a template of an example of how to properly communicate yeah, and then yeah. make it our own. So I think this is really helpful. Yeah. So, so you would say, okay, so, you know, to your partner, I know that, you know, this isn't your fault. We're just sort of, we're, our, our space has gotten, you know, sort of crimped in a bit. It's really hard for me to lose this much of my space. I'm just someone who needs a lot of space and it's a big adjustment. And so then when you ask me to do things that are, I know are really important to you and I want you to be happy, but what happens is it feels like I'm losing even more of my space. So I'm trying to find a way to create some space for myself so that I can feel like I'm, I'm okay. And I'm going to get through this and I'm not going to wreck our relationship and da, 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 and see if you can find a way to have a conversation about what the real deep need is. And maybe you'll end up having him 
he'll go do some visits with you and some visits to his relatives without you. I mean, maybe you'll do that, or maybe there'll be a day a week where he just goes somewhere else and you have the house to yourself, but you'll have to figure something out so that you yeah. can find it. So he understands where you're coming from because he probably doesn't quite understand what's going on. Yeah. this is, So I love what you're saying because before we start recording, everybody who's listening, um, so Jennifer has a relationship roadmap where the idea is like, how can you build your relationship instead of breaking it? And so we've kind of been working through it, which is really fun, Jennifer. And this is again, why I always take notes before the episode, because I'm noticing what you're doing and I'm like, ah, perfect, a framework. So the first thing you say in the relationship roadmap was to look at your actions. So my action is like, I'm a bit sour. Like I literally feel like a little kid with like a little pout sometimes. Most of the time I'm pretty happy and sunny, but whenever I feel like my freedom is under threat, which literally could happen almost every day, like something could make it feel, um, I just get this like whiny little energy inside of me. And so that's first is look at your actions. I get a little whiny and sour. Number two is look at your feelings attached to your actions. So we were kind of looking at like me feeling constricted me feeling like I need my freedom. Would that be accurate? In this step. Yeah, you're feeling, well, you're probably feeling a little bit um, impatient, maybe a little desperate, maybe a little overwhelmed, but there's this, you know, I'm feeling constricted and I need space feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you said, um, look at why you're feeling what you're feeling. And so we kind of did that on the yeah. relationship yeah. roadmap. That's number three. Yeah. I know we have note takers listening, which I love them because I'm a note taker. <laughs> so I'm like, here we go, note takers. <laughs> look at your actions, look at your feelings attached to them and look at why you're feeling what you're feeling. So why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. I value my freedom. I'm a highly, in- is, am I a highly independent person? Or do you think that this is everybody, Jennifer? Uh, I think, um, everybody has a certain need for space, but some people have a bigger need than others. I don't identify as somebody that needs a ton. I just need it. You know what I mean? Well, it might not be that you need a ton, but you're used to having a lot of, um, movement without someone present. Mm. So that's Mm -hmm. how you've, you know, you've, you've, uh, developed in whatever way into a person who has a lot of freedom of movement and does, and nobody's like sort of commenting or, you know, requesting and you're just in your own space and it's an adjustment when all of a sudden someone's there and they want lunch too. I mean, you know, that's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. It is different. Okay. This is helpful. And the the more profound feeling. So let, we'll just out ask it this way. What is the fear, um, from getting not enough space? What is your fear? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think it comes back down to freedom, like that I'm, I'm stuck or that I, I don't get to be who I am. Like self-expression is like my deepest core value. And I think this podcast is a place for that. My book is a place for that. Like I, it's so interesting, Jennifer, because a lot of people that I'm friends with that are amazing people, they have huge platforms and they create by, because they're driven by impact. And one thing I've said on this podcast before, which I used to kind of judge myself and now I'm like, eh, I'm just going to let this be the truth, which is I'm just seeking connection and self-expression. So whether it makes an impact or not is great, but like, I'm not going to wake up in the, in the morning and think millions of people are going to love this. And that's why I'm going to do it. Right. Um, Right. Millions. I'm just like, I want to connect and I need something I want to share. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. No. So, but it also brings me, so let's just go deeper in step four, which is the feeling under the immediate feeling. And that is, so when in the past, have you ever felt like you couldn't get your space? or you couldn't get, you were constricted in such a way you couldn't get your needs met. Yeah. I mean, that's like my entire childhood. So I think, um, okay. So that's making this more intense for you. 
Yeah, it is. It's really visceral. And and I feel like it's always on the surface. Like, it's so funny. I've done so much work on myself, but it's like these little things still have a hold on me. And I think that's the thing with everybody. And I would love your wisdom on that because for me, my childhood, um, I had a really, really great dad, really great mom. They're very loving. And my dad just had crazy anxiety. He was really worried about money. He lost a big company and was spending a lot of my adolescence fixing it. And then my mom her anxiety looked like totally checking out because she was overstimulated. And so she was very there for me, like physically she would show up and she would be there. But like emotionally, I think she was a little bit like, it is what it is, you know, like let's not go there. And I think my dad was just worried. So I very much so as a little kid was like, I need to express myself and I don't know who I'm going to talk to. Right. I don't know who I'm going to talk to because my parents really aren't available to talk to me. Yeah. Because exactly. they, they're, they've got their own concerns and I'm not going to invert it. Well, one of them's a little checked out and the other one's completely um, caught up in, try, in in his own concern. And so I'm not going to burden them with my concerns. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then how does your partner fit into that? I think that like, for example, if we look at family dynamics, like one thing he values is family. And I really like that about him but it looks a lot like my family where it's like a lot of time together all the time, whether there's a deep connection at one moment with one person or not, it's just like Mm -hmm. the logistics of constantly getting together. And I think because as a kid, I felt so like, you know, why do I have to keep getting together with these people? Nobody can hear me or understand me. Nobody's talking to me, really talking to me, like really talking to me, which I wonder that for kids. I'm like, most kids feel this way. Like, isn't this common? I I don't know. It's really common. It's really common, but, but extremely common. And it's a huge problem. But for you being together physically is not meaningful. You want to be together emotionally. Yeah. Or else I literally judge that there's no point like in my Like, and that's how I've been my whole life. And friends have really um, praised the fact that I'm really deeply intuitive. So I can know right away. And I don't know if it's because I worked in counterterrorism and, and um, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of that, Jennifer, because we didn't talk about my career past. (laughs) I I worked in the Pentagon and, and I tracked terrorists in my early twenties. And to be honest, nothing quite makes you intuitive, quite like a lot of counterterrorism training that helps you identify people are going to blow themselves up. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, I think for me, um, in social circles, I am highly intuitive and I can feel an agenda from a yeah. very far place away. Right. And so friends often ask me like if they're going to do a business deal or they want to be closer to somebody like, Oh, what do you think of this person? And I'm never, I'm not gossipy necessarily, but I'm very like, Oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get something good on them, but that could right. just be, you know, that's just me. Right. And well, so, you, tell, you tell them, you share what you perceive. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, I can just feel agendas. And so that's why my friendships are so clean and pure. Like no matter how much somebody has in in money or success or fame or whatever, there's none of that. There's no room for it in the friendship. It's just no ego and and deep connection. And so I think for me, I've sought that out so deeply as an adult. And yeah, I I wonder actually, because I'm so in my own life, like I wonder what you're seeing in your practice, like, is this common where a lot of people grew up feeling like my parents don't see me, which you said it is, but what do you tend to hear from clients that kind of have this or how does it look for different people? Cause for well, me, it yeah. looks like self-expression and freedom issues, <laughs> but for right. others, maybe it's different. Yeah, no, it, it expresses differently in different people for sure, but it's extremely common to have households where the parents are not tuned into the kids emotionally. 
And it isn't the parents' fault they're overwhelmed with their lives or they haven't done enough of their own work to clear out clear out their own stuff. And kids respond different ways. I mean, uh, my kid, my parents weren't, they were not present emotionally at all. And I just didn't even try to connect to people. I mean, I just sort of lived in my own little world because it didn't seem like there was any way to get the connection I needed. You know, it was years of working on myself before that all really opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a really good book on, um, just to mention a book that, uh, uh, that for parenting is called parenting from the inside out by Dan Siegel and Mary Hartzell. And mm-hmm. it really helps um, people look at how they're bringing their own stuff into the uh, relationship with their kids and how to clean it up. Oh, see, that's, I think that's been coming up as well as like the more work I do on myself, the more I'm like, wow, like parents are inevitably going to fuck their kid up in some way without meaning to. So how do we do the best work on ourselves to get grounded? Right, and right. It's challenging. It's, it's very hard. And there's so many moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm my mom. Like I am doing <laughs> the same thing she does or, or my dad. I'm like, oh my God. Like the other yeah. day, William, he's such a little angel partner and I was repeating myself to him about something I was bothered about and I have no idea what it was, but he said to me like, why do you always repeat yourself? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's because number one, I didn't feel hurt as a kid. And I didn't, my dad didn't feel hurt as a kid and he repeats himself. Like I am just one big slew of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually I have that too, where I don't repeat myself, but I say, I feel like you aren't hearing me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. The need to be heard and seen is enormous. Yeah, enormous. Yeah. And if yeah. you weren't heard, and seen, heard or seen as a child, man, that need doesn't go anywhere. It's still there. It's just, what, what do you do to fulfill it? Different people have different strategies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so, okay. So kind of going back for my note-taking friends, like relationship roadmap, number one, look at your actions. Number two, look at your feelings attached to the actions. Number three, look at why you're feeling what you're feeling. And then number four, which is where we're at, what is the more profound feeling under what you're feeling? In my case, it's like, growing up and not feeling like there's space for me. Right. Exactly. And, and yeah, exactly. And it's like, I, so you're someone who has this, this getting triggered. Oh my God, there's not enough space. Am I going to survive? What am I going to do? This feels horrible. You know, and it gets very um, amplified because it's going back to something. And so then you want to look at, you know, is it true? And yeah, in this case, it is true. It is true that you aren't, are you going to die? No. Um, can you survive this? Yes. Is, are there going to be solutions? Yes. But it is true that you, you don't have the space you need right now, which means you have to find a way to create more space um, without alienating your partner. Mm-hmm. U-Tuners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash Clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash Clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. And I wonder what would happen for anybody at the end of this podcast if they took these notes and really evaluated. And and can this can this formula fit in your relationship with yourself? Like look at your actions, look at your feelings. Why are yes. you feeling? Yeah, you can use this, you can use this t- towards yourself because um 
it actually would help you identify it. Cause we often know, like, let's suppose something happens and you get upset and you yell or scream or something, and you don't know why you got so upset. But if you really dig down, you'll find you either fought for, uh, you felt forgotten or you felt abandoned, or you felt you weren't good enough, or you, there's always, if you get down deep, there's always an attachment. This is, we get into attachment theory here, here. Attachment theory is the mammalian need to connect. And so the attachment needs with, I need to feel, I need to feel someone's there for me. I need to feel like I'm cared about. I need to feel like I'm good enough for you. These deep feelings get um, triggered and we don't usually know how to talk about them. We get stuck on the, no, I don't want to go to your parents' house or you forgot to buy this at the grocery store. We get caught when underneath that. It's always like, I don't know if I feel important to you. I don't know if you, I don't feel like you think that, um, I don't feel like I'm that you're expressing importance to me. I feel like you forgot me. That's what's really underneath these other feelings. Mm, for me, or you think for people in general, people in general. Yeah. Yeah. Like a feeling of not being understood, being forgotten, not having space for Yeah. I mean, people, you know, there's, you could get a core group of these feelings and they're pretty, it's, it would be a, a limited group. It's more like, you know, we don't want to be abandoned. Oh my God. We don't want to be ignored. We don't want to be forgotten. I mean, those are horrible feelings, especially when you're a kid growing up. Yeah, totally. Okay. And the, okay. So number five of your relationship roadmap feels kind of sticky. And I, I love the question because I know it's rooted in a lot of different spiritual teaching, personal development, teaching psychology. Yeah. The question yeah. is it true. I love this question. It reminds me of Byron Katie's book, loving what is, right. is it true? How, how does somebody, I, I find that if somebody hasn't done a lot of work or even if they have, sometimes we can really believe what we're thinking and be like, yes, it is true. So how do we rise beyond the story that we're telling ourselves that isn't really working or that deeper, more profound feeling? I think, I think we have to look at, we have to sort of break it down. Well, how much of this is true? Is this a hundred percent true or 50% true? Is this true for all parts of me? In other words, it might be true for the, um, it might be true for the inner child that feels like it's not going to survive, but not true for the adult that has more coping mechanisms. So it's, it's hard to, um, you know, if you haven't done enough work, I hate to say this, you actually just have to do more, more work because, um, we've got, we're, we're a process. People are human beings are processes that are continually developing. We're not an event. We're not static. So if you get stuck, it's like, okay, well, I've got to wrestle with this and work with this. And maybe I need to read something or talk to someone, but you, we, we are in process. And when we get stuck, it means we have more processing to do more mm. learning, more growing. Yeah. Okay. And so when I'm looking at myself and I'm like, okay, the more profound feeling under what I'm feeling is like, there was no space for me. It reminds me of my upbringing, you know, and I asked myself, is it true? Some part of me is like, yeah, it is true. Like there was a part of my upbringing where there wasn't a lot of space for me and my parents did the best they could. They're good people. And it just, that's just what happened. Um, but then the other part of me is like, well, is it really true that there's no space for me right now? And it's like, well, I haven't really asked for some space. I haven't really found a way to communicate about this freedom thing that would work, which I'm immediately going to do after this podcast. But like point being, um, how, how can you help people right now rise beyond their desire to kind of argue for their limitation? Because I think a lot of people have a limitation. They're going to have a feeling under the feeling and be like, this is damn true. And it's like, right. well, sometimes it's not really serving them to believe that it's true. And 
And it's not, there's, there's many versions of what can be true and there, you can reframe it. So how do people get out of that? I've been listening to a YouTube video, uh, recently with this guy who's, um, uh, just brilliant. And he had this, I'm just looking to see if I can find his name really quick while I'm talking to you, but he, okay, here it is. It's called war, war on sense-making by Daniel Schmachenberger, S-C-H- S-C-H-M-A-C-H-T-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. And he's on um, YouTube. And I've been... in the show notes for everybody who's like, uh, where do I find this? You can find it on ashleystall.com podcast tab. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he he had an example last time I was listening to him about... Um, if you have two eyes, if you, have, we have two eyes and if one eye, if you, if you lose one eye, you lose your peripheral vision and you lose your depth perception. The reason we have two eyes is because each eye helps bring in a different part of the vision and they work together to create a truer picture of reality than if you had one eye. Now, this particular analogy is incredible because it works for couples too. The reason there's two of us It's like we're each a different eye and together, if we can harmonize, we create a truer vision that I'm right and you're wrong because then you've got two separate eyes that are seeing different parts of reality, but they're not, there's, there's a joint part where the two overlap and it's not, they're not, it actually, the two eyes together removes a certain amount of errors in perception. So Mm -hmm. if you can understand that and then work with it, uh, as just as an overarching concept, we both have a truth. We both have a truth, and it's working through how to get those two truths to communicate better. Yeah, love that. So, and I wanted to ask you one more question before we move fur- further, which is, so your partner's relationship with his parents is triggering for you because it's not how you would want it to, you want a more intense, connected uh, relationship. And he's settling probably in your eyes for a type of relationship with his parents that you would, you would want to be deeper if it was, if you were in charge. Is that accurate? It would be hard to say. I think that he has such a like kind and fun family and they're, they are just kind of like, that's how they have fun is hanging out all the time. And it's just, for me, fun looks like a deep conversation over a cup of coffee. And I don't always need a deep conversation, right? Um, but it's almost just like, yeah, there's just a, there's just a difference, I think. In yeah, and, and so his way of relating is difficult for you. Yeah, his way of relating is different than how I relate. Like when I'm with my parents, I want to, um, I don't want to hang out too long if we don't have right like a real conversation. Eventually, I don't want to talk about the weather. I want to go home and read a right. book. Right. And he's happy just hanging. Hey, we're hanging out. It's fun. We like each other. We don't need to have a deep conversation. Yeah. That's and that's what I love about him. That's what attracts me to him is like, he's so, uh, more easygoing. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you could have a conversation about how the two of you are different and that, you know, it's his way of being, which while you appreciate it and admire it is hard for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and probably vice versa. He probably doesn't want to dig deep into every darn thing that comes up. Well, he'll do it with me. He has a lot of depth. So it's, it's interesting. Cause I think he just kind of that is, is able to mold yeah. it areas of his life. But yeah, like my relationship to my family is different in the the cadence that we share. And so I think one thing that's been really key is I, I think just kind of me playing with my freedom stuff and 
kind of finding a space for it in our relationship as a whole. And I know a lot of people have freedom stuff and, and it's interesting because I, I love partnership and I love being in my partnership with him. So mm-hmm. it, it's really funny to be like, wow, I love partnership and I love freedom almost the same amount. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they're both two, they're both two real needs. I mean, those are both important needs. It's just figuring out how to get them both to sort of be happy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is, has been, and so when you say, is it true, what can we do for somebody right now? That's like, okay, the feeling below my feeling in my relationship right now is that I feel betrayed or I feel, you know, like he doesn't care about me. Like, for example, I know a lot of people have partners who work a lot. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they're probably like, I don't matter. I'm not important. And it's like, okay, how do we use this to say, is that true that you're not important? You know, like, Right. Uh, this is really common in couples stuff where the one partner is working a lot. And when you say, and, th- and the other partner says, well, I feel like you don't care about me because you're never here. And the partner says, I'm doing this for you yeah. because they have different ways of expressing their caring. Exactly. Which I think is and, so it, common. Yeah. And you really need to start talking about, well, wait, um, the way I feel cared about is this, but the way I give, the way you give caring is this. And how do we, how do we bridge this difference? you know, so that you can, maybe you need to adjust a little, maybe I can, maybe I, maybe you'll be willing to adjust a little. So I actually feel cared about, and maybe I can uh, try to adjust in terms of sharing more of my appreciation for what you do do so that you feel cared, cared about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about the question of, is it true? Like, how does somebody sit with that? Um, it's just requires self-honesty and really, really looking at it. It's hard to do. This is hard to do when you're triggered. So if you're mostly yeah. triggered and upset, you're going to have to get yourself into a, an untriggered space. You have yeah. to wait to calm down and um, before you can actually look at it. Um, and then you just got to really sit and go, you know, is it true that I don't have enough space? Well, it's partly true because you know, right now you have space. You're not with him right now, for instance. In other words, you, it's it's really about self self inquiry and um, getting calm and thinking about it and and being being willing to be a hundred percent honest with yourself. Hmm. And another, because we get these ideas. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, please. Well, we get these ideas about what reality is and. We, you know, that's the shortcut. We do the shortcuts because it's easy. You can't, we don't have the time to think through everything that occurs. So we have emotional shortcuts where this equals that. And we just jump to these places and we need to slow that down and go, okay, I really need to give myself the space to, to look at what, what is bothering me, why it's bothering me. How, how big is this? How big is this? What parts of it aren't actually true? It's really learning self-inquiry. So helpful. And I know that number six of the roadmap beyond, is it true? And looking at that feeling under the feeling is how do you interpret what's occurring? So since I'm beginning here, yeah, like how do we take a look at this step of the relationship roadmap through the lens of what I'm giving as an example of me feeling like I need my freedom, it's getting lost or stuff like that. Okay. So I'm going to read you a couple bullet points here. So one could be, There are cycles in life and sometimes we don't have the freedom we wish for and it's not my partner's fault. That would be one. Mm, Beautiful. And of course on that one, you have to be, you have to also realize you probably have some guilt about how you're feeling. Mm. So it's not your fault either. Mm. Um, Then all relationships have ups and downs and we can get through this if we choose to respond differently to each other. 
Another possibility is maybe it's a situation where uh, knowing you're enough, even if you don't feel like it, or another thing is realizing our wills are limited and something we're in a big cycle and things that are bigger than us occur. And we don't always have control over what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, We could see this as time as an opportunity to practice gratitude when it's not easy. And that's building muscle. It's easy to do gratitude when things are going great, but try practicing gratitude when you're up against a major challenge. You know, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful, even though this is not an easy time because I've got this partner and I am going to learn how to talk. We are going to figure out how to get through this and I am going to get my feelings calmed down and I am going to act differently and be grateful for the opportunity. So also this can be an opportunity to learn to be supportive of both yourself and your partner and figuring out how to do that. So helpful. Um, Basically what we're doing in number um, six six. here, looking at many different ways to look at it. Right. Right. So yeah, exactly. You could see this as um, an opportunity to change how you relate to this particular challenge. So you're cultivating um, more patience and less, less of the annoyance. Um, Mm. You could see it as an opportunity to ask your partner for what you need, which is, mm-hmm. I really need space right now. And um, I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you by not doing this for you, but this is coming from a really big need I have right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's lots and lots and lots of um, ways where you can talk to yourself and sort of change how you're in- responding to the event and interpreting it. Love this. Okay. And number seven, which is obviously like, I don't know, the freedom addict in me is like, oh yeah, take the opportunity to find new ways of engaging. I'm like, cool, let's get our freedom back. Or let's <laughs> you know, let's not think that your partner doesn't care about you anymore because he works too much or she works too much or whatever. So um, what would this look like or how could somebody kind of um, take this in? For you, for instance, seeing the big picture is this is someone I really love and appreciate, and um, I'm going to find a way to talk to him about it so that we can, uh, so that I'm not feeling like I'm caught in this little box. And um, it's so it's sort of like, um, you know, we do all this internal work, but at some point we have to actually take it to the person we're generally, if the person's available, uh, we take it to them and we say, I, I want to find a new way to, to, for us to engage around this problem, because I'm, I'm realizing, you know, I'm acting in ways that aren't great and it's really not, it's not your fault and it's not my fault, but, um, so it really is about bring creating a bridge where you can talk about your two different worlds. I mean, you might say, what's it like for you to be around me all the time? And he might say, well, it's hard for me too, because I don't like the way you load the dishwasher. I mean, you don't know what's going to come up out of the conversation, but as you talk about it, you're creating new ground that never existed before because you never talked about this before. Yeah. And I guess what's coming up for me, for everybody listening is like, are people, I don't know, like that sounds like a breeding ground to get stuck. You know what I mean? Like you're bringing up all this new stuff. Like what's coming up for you around me? Well, all this, what's coming up for you around me? All this. And it's like two people that are like, all this is coming up between both of us and it it can feel really intimidating. I think for a lot of people to move forward in that conversation, especially quarantine. Yeah. I would would say pick one thing. You're like, I need my space now. So what do you, what do you suggest um, 
when it comes to navigating that situation or that conversation? Well, I would say, um, I would say I I would like to, you know, I have one, I have one thing that's um, on my mind that I'd really like to find a better way of dealing with. And I need your help because it's how I'm acting towards you. And it has to do with who you are, you know, us being together all the time. And I, I think we need to find a way to look at it so we can, you know, team up and, and do this together, you know, work on this together. So we're both aware of what the issue is instead of me just trying to create, you know, fix it myself without really ta- having you be a team member in this struggle I'm in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would, I would start, I would start with picking one thing because obviously if you, you can't bring in the whole kitchen sink, you can really only work on one thing at a time. Okay. This is so helpful. I think, I think a lot of people who are like little achievers like me are like, let's bring in 20 things and we're just going to go through the list and everything's going to get fixed. And I think this right. is really wise. And, and, and you actually have to know, you know, some people have partners they can't do this work with. I mean, it's really, who is your partner? Like in my particular case, I've had years of the training, years of therapy, years of couples therapy, years of couple training. And I've, you know, I have a partner who's done a lot, a lot, a lot of emotional work with me. And so we're at a point where we can talk about anything and solve anything easily. And we didn't get here easily. We had a lot of, um, we had work to do to get to a point where this could happen. I mean, early on, we had huge reactions to each other where I, we misinterpreted who the other person was enormously. And, and so you have to know, is your, what, what can you do with your partner? How, how um, able to uh, talk to your partner. Are you, you know, what, what is, what's your partner's facility in terms of emotional discussions and working through this kind of thing. And if you're afraid to do it, there's a reason it probably means it's not completely safe or Mm -hmm. going to be very easy in which case, I mean, you can always get, you know, temporary, get some help, do, um, therapy for a few sessions and try to get through an issue. Um, because I really think different couples have different ability to work through problems given their current tool set. And a lot of people need more tools. Yeah. That's such a diplomatic way to put it. Like all of us just need a few more tools. Otherwise it starts to look <laughs> a little messy. <laughs> well, this it is. Is. I mean, it is mm-hmm. relationships are areas that can get so messy. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's so funny. I, I feel deep down, like, I don't know, I lived in France half time, uh, the past like five, six years. And it's only the past year and a half I've been with William that I'm, I'm rooted in, in not only in one city, but in a house with a dog and a hundred plants to water once a week. <laughs> so I'm like highly committed yeah. and I really love it in a lot of ways. It's like been the most grounding thing. And friends who've known me forever are like, Oh, you feel so grounded. You feel so like here. And I'm like, thanks. But there's also this part of me that's like, I could totally be a loner in like some Southern village of France because I'm bilingual and I could just be a painter out there. Like I'm a highly creative person. That's like, I could just go do that. I, I feel like I could live 20 different lifetimes because this freedom thing in me is so strong. And I know a lot of people have it. So yeah. I'm glad yeah. that we talked about it. Cause I'm sure that there's plenty of people who, if they don't have it, their partner might, you know, it's, it's just so common. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's really, um, well, it's, it's a definitely a human need. We have the human need to be connected and supported emotionally, and we have the human need to be autonomous. Yeah, totally. It's, it's such a deep need. Well, this has been amazing. Where can everybody find you and keep learning from you? So, okay. So um, let's see. If you go to Weconcile, W-E-C-O-N-C-I-L-E.com, that is the website. Um of the program I have uh, created that is um, do it yourself 
I'll work on your relationship with your partner program. Um, the, there's a blog. So if you go to the blog, one of the articles is called use this time to break, to build your relationship, not break them. And that sort of covers some of these steps we talked about today. And then there's a relationship quiz. If you go to weconsult.com slash quiz, Q U I Z, um, you can take a relationship quality quiz to sort of see where, where your relationship is at, um, right now. Um, those are probably the best, um, links to, you know, get some information right now. Oh, beautiful. Well, this has just been, thank you so much. And I love you. You definitely create a safe space for me to be so honest. And I try to be as honest as I can. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you. It's really helpful when somebody is willing to go into their personal experience as a, to use it to help other people, because that's how we learn. And if we talk about it abstractly, it's much, much harder to understand how it relates to, to yourself. And so I really appreciate that you were willing to do that. Yeah, thank you. I feel like, um, I don't know, it, it, there's so many people in today's like influencer world where they get on and I, I think there's just like such a misunderstanding of who who people are and what their lives are, you know, and for me, I just, I try to be as honest as I can about my life, you know, and, and it's, yeah. I'm glad it's helpful. So thank you for the compliment. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what people need. They need uh, more people need as people share their emotional realities and their struggles. Other people feel like, oh, what I'm going through is normal. Yeah, exactly. Because it is. We're just it all is. one. It's it's really yep. amazing. I think COVID nineteen and just the chapter we're in in 2020 has just been a reminder. We are all one, and everything you do can impact the whole. And so it's it's Uh-oh. so important. I think so. Thank you again. Hello, U-Turn friend. It's me. It's Ash here. And I, full disclosure, I didn't get to making this post-episode conversation thing after I recorded the episode with Jennifer. And I had to kind of like re-listen to it just now to send you this little voice note here. And as I was listening to it, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have such a vulnerability hangover talking about my own relationship issues. And I'm so committed to staying open because I think there's like such a service in being real in a world that we are like living in so, so much influencer land and so many illusions. And I just strive to be honest. And so one thing that came up for me was during the episode, me talking about everything I'm going through, trying to find my individuality in my relationship, it made me remember something that a really well-known relationship coach, her name is Annie Lala, and she was the third episode, I believe, on the Uterine Podcast, maybe the first or second, uh, one of my favorite guests ever. And she's told me privately before, she doesn't trust a relationship that hasn't been to the brink of destruction. And that was such a powerful thing for me to hear that she told me, she said, I I do not trust a relationship that has never been to the brink of destruction. And I sat with that for a minute. I was like, what do you mean? Like you don't trust a happy couple that hasn't like fallen apart to the point that they're about to call it quits. She's like, yeah, because like as humans, we are so different and a relationship is a place for us to express ourselves, to be ourselves And it wouldn't make sense for there to be so much rhythm that two people haven't come up against any personal challenges. And it's so interesting for me because I really value ease. 
Like I have a couple of friends who they love challenges and I actually, I don't, I think that's why I don't like fitness. Like I just hired a personal trainer five days a week because I was like, what else am I doing during COVID other than editing my book and seeing clients and working out. And I've never really been into exercise. And I was just looking at this person at the gym who was like folding their arm back and forth. And I was just thinking to myself, like, why do people call this a hobby? Like, why? And Annie had told me it's it's like building a muscle. Like you have to rip it apart to put it back together. And I don't know. It's like I sat in conflict with relationships after she told me that. Cause I'm like, do I want to let, and this is the thing about my beliefs. I'm always deciding if I want to let myself believe something or do I want to hit the delete button in my head? Like, Ooh, don't like that belief, like delete, you know? And I was like, do I want to let myself believe that like a good relationship has been to the brink of destruction? And I kind of realized, yeah, like for you to really express yourself, for you to really heal all of the magical things that can be healed in a partnership that you're truly intimate, vulnerable, open, honest in, it can put you to the brink of destruction for sure. The amount of wounding that I still have inside of me that William will bring up for me on any given day. So for example, um, my mom is is like the best woman ever. She keeps things really light. I have a lot of thoughts, obviously, an entire podcast with over a hundred episodes of me and my thoughts. So, you know, most of my life I felt like, who can I tell my thoughts to? And that person in my family was my sister. And for her to have passed away two years ago, it kind of sometimes feels like nobody in my family can understand what I think. And what this has to do with all of this is with William, he's very quick. Um, he's a leader. He's very sharp. And sometimes he doesn't, he, he might just be kind of like in efficient mode where he's like at his desk moving really quick. And I'll come to him with my thoughts and he won't stop and like really hear them for a second. And it brings up all of my shit from my childhood of like, you know, here's just another person not hearing me and I'm not heard. And you know, clearly there's like a level of inspiration behind this podcast, but also maybe a level of wounding that also inspired who I am being somebody that wants to share. Maybe it's partially because I didn't feel like there was anybody to share with um, when I was a kid. Uh, And yeah, I don't know. It's like when I think about relationships, I think about how in those moments, William is challenging me to not completely lose it because there is this tiredness inside of me that traces back my whole life feeling like I wasn't heard when I said something, nobody stopped to hear it. And it's not that I didn't have good parents, they were just busy parents. And they only could hold so much of my emotionality, which is really common. Not everybody can hold all of you. Not everybody can understand all of you. And it's not always our parents' jobs to do that. They just are here to love us and do the best they can. And so I think with William, it's like it brings out this like internal pain that has been hiding inside of me that can only be brought out through a partner. And sometimes I'm just like, it's like my heart breaks and it puts such a challenge, for example, on our relationship because I... I don't know, it's like this five-year-old living inside of me wants to have a tantrum, wants him to hear me. And it's these moments where our unmet needs from growing up translate into these mini little explosions, maybe not so many, (laughs) if you lash out at your partner or something like that, or you've lashed out at partners before if you're single and you're reflecting right now. 
And I just want to invite you now to stop judging your relationship, if you're in one, your past relationships that you've been in, and realize that sometimes that feeling of being on the brink of destruction, maybe you're in one right now and you're asking questions and you're not sure if it's right for you. Um, Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. But ultimately, I like to feel like as I'm walking down the aisle, I've been with somebody who can hold all of me. And it's not that I expect that all the time from them, but to know that they're capable of it. And that requires facing so many wounds, taking responsibility for feelings that is are tempting to blame on other people. Like it's tempting for me to blame William that he was busy at his desk. But the truth is I have work to do on the fact that I haven't felt heard a lot of my life. So my question for you is, what did you really need from your parents? What? How did you want to be loved? Where did they, where was there a gap? And how are you projecting that onto your partner How are you, or past partners? How are you demanding that of them? And, um, and how can you grow? How can you grow? And one exercise that I did recently was I wrote down all of my complaints about my partner, like three things, for example, like he doesn't hear me when I talk sometimes. And I flipped it around and said, I don't hear me when I talk sometimes, or I don't hear him when I, t- when he talks sometimes. And I thought about all the examples that he was talking to me and I wasn't hearing him. And it just kind of loosened this, this wounds grip on me for me to realize like, this is all part of the human experience, you know? And, and, um, just because I have a wound and I'm hyper-focused on those moments where my needs aren't met doesn't mean that I get to blame him and shame him for it. So, so much growth happening. Um, I still sometimes question this idea that not to trust a relationship that hasn't been at the brink of destruction, but I think it's a really powerful thought. And I'm sending you so much love. I think that we are in such weird times, such challenging times right now. And if you're at home with a partner or with kids or even by yourself and with your thoughts, I mean, damn, it's it can be so painful and challenging to sit with all of it. So I'm sending you a lot of love and... I'm grateful that we get to connect here and I guess I get to be heard by you. So thank you for helping me heal. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has down the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.